thought of this message this for a long time now. It seemed to work, and it seemed to be like the uh, its influence influences every aspect of my life. It doesn't have to become an aspect of my life. It influences every aspect of my life because you and I are in every aspect of our lives. You are the basis of every moment. Yeah. If you if you describe a moment like in Buddhism, they describe a moment which is there's consciousness arising. And then consciousness takes two aspects. One is the aspect of the perceiving of the event or the object, yeah? So right now, I'm conscious of Deb sitting here, yes? So right now, the activity of a perceiving aspect of consciousness is occurring. And the perceived aspect, which is Deb, is also occurring, yeah? Now, in self-centeredness, this seems to be two different things, yeah? In self-centeredness, I believe I'm the one, I'm perceiving, I'm the subject, and she's the object that I'm seeing. Yeah? They're two different things. Yeah? There's the perceiving of the object, which I'm going to be the perceiver. So all the perceiving that happens every day, my mental process claims it by saying I'm the perceiver. Every moment that consciousness is arising, which is every moment, there. Yeah? In two aspects, the perceiving and the perceived, I take myself to be the perceiver. Yeah? Now that's different than taking yourself to be the perceiving. If you took yourself to be the perceiving, you would probably get a very strong hit that you're also the perceived. <laughs> you would get a hit that they're both consciousness. They're both arising in the same, let's say, milu. But what this causes us to have... Uh, a separation from that obvious sense of conscious contact is the sense of being the perceiver. Yeah? That's different than the perceiving. Yeah? The perceiver is different. Now, what happens is, so there's the perceiving and there's the perceived. Yes? Now, some people would say that they're that consciousness that's perceiving, but then others would say that's arising. That's a consciousness that arises and departs. Like in a famous Zen treatise called Faith Mind, he says, there is no subject without an object, and there is no object without a subject. They're the two aspects of consciousness that are manifesting here. So consciousness is manifesting, and it manifests as consciousness, but it has two aspects. There's the subject and the object. Yeah? But there's also the self-awareness, or let's say the illuminating quality that's prior or contextual around that oh, consciousness. Yeah? So consciousness, without seeing something occurring, then there's, that doesn't kick in. I don't become conscious of that unless I see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, or smell it. Yeah? Or think about it. Yes? So there has to be six gates for me to become conscious of that. But there's, a, there's an aspect of awareness that isn't arising. It's not consciousness. It's not arising and departing. This huge dance of consciousness is being all there is. The two aspects arising and having a little dance, and then one of them changes. And You know what I mean? There's different objects all day to the seeming subject. But then there's a, and while that's all going on, there's an awareness that it's going on. That's not of consciousness. That's something. That's a quality, another quality of mind, let's say. That awareness is much more established and stable than the arising all day of consciousness. Yeah? The consciousness is those two aspects, the perceiving and the perceived. Yeah? There's something that is a continuum while all of that arising and departing is going on. Yeah? That awareness, that illuminating quality. Now, for me, that's the message. That there's a context to this experience of life that we're not noticing usually because we're identified at, as one aspect as of the content, which is we are the perceiver. I am the liver of this life. I don't sense the living of it. I sense that it's been it's been made into a mental story that I'm the one who's living it. Yeah. So the emphasis is not on the living. It's not on the consciousness. It's not on the awareness. It's on the pseudo subject who takes itself to be the one who's conscious, yes? And maybe if he calls the awareness the ultimate or God, that he takes himself to somewhat be in relationship with that, or somehow or another, he's the main star, yeah? With that obsession, you don't recognize consciousness. And if, you're the, if the consciousness, the conscious contact isn't being recognized, you're not going to recognize what's aware of the conscious contact, yeah? 
You're not going to sense it. You're going to be sensing that you're the one that's doing the action. So every action that's done, there'll be the feeling, not a thought, a feeling that you are the doer of it. There'll be an emotional sense. That's why they say it's a sense of self. It's not a thought of self. There's tons of thoughts about self. But the real clicker, the real clincher is the sense of self. So when every action occurs, we don't see that they're the same thing. What happens and, and the happening is the same. We see a difference, yeah? And so the emphasis always, instead of hearing, let's say, we, all we are, the emphasis is on the hearer and the herd, yeah? Instead of seeing, the emphasis is on the seer and the seen, yeah? We don't see that they're the same thing, in a way. They're the same no thing. The mind has separated them. And from that little separation, duality occurs. And this is the whole point of a non-duality meaning, is to question the duality of our experience here, our perceptual experience, how we think, how we do it, all this stuff is going on, to question that, to see if it's maybe not so. Because it seems to be generating a lot of suffering over a lot of things. It seems to be the source of all the suffering. So, okay, let's question it. And so when you question it and you realize, hey, not to, that all there is is consciousness. There isn't me as the perceiver and you as the perceived. There is just perceiving. Yeah? And there's something even in a sense beyond that. There's the awareness of that event. Yeah? And the more you find of essences that don't seem to be of you, then you may, instead of saying, oh, I want to have an experience of that, maybe question the you they don't seem to be a part of, and if you question the you they don't seem to be a part of, and realize you're not that you, you may just be that. Yeah. You may get a sense that you are that. And you know what? If you get a sense that you are that, you're going to be relieved of a lot of the trials and tribulations of being this and that. Yeah. You, it's going to happen. It, it cannot not happen. Because everything going on here in the manifestation is based on causes. If you get to the cause that's producing this incredible myriad multiplicity of effects, if you get to the cause and see that it's not the cause, yeah, then there's relief from the effects. I mean, real stabilized relief, where you have a sense of traveling lighter instead of having a sense of traveling heavier here. Yeah? with the hopes that one day I will be traveling lighter, or one day I was traveling lighter, but still the same, you even have heaviness about traveling lighter. That's the same thing about this message. People hear this message and they get heavy about it. They produce so much suffering in non-duality communities, it's unbelievable. But they don't, they need like a, they need like a, you know, spiritual seekers anonymous. They have, they need interventions, they need retreats. They need 28-day programs where they can't read a fucking book, self-help book, no going through common ground, seeing the next you know, seminar they're going to take. Just let them sit with what's actually happening. Yeah? And then by looking, by seeing, then maybe they'll find the relief, the real relief that they're trying to find through all of this freaking activity. They're trying, they, it's such a beautiful statement in this Zen treatise, again, it says, when you try to use activity to find stillness, that's activity. And I've seen a lot of people in the non-duality communities who are very active in seeking non-duality. They're very active in seeking nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're really, 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 really hell-bent that they want to be there and get it. They want to be there. They want to have an, They want to be there to experience their own absence. <laughs> <laughs> There's an easier, softer way. Yeah. This is just an imitation. Hey, maybe start at, are these my thoughts? You know? Just check it out. Are these my thoughts? Do I really own these thoughts? Am I the, uh, am I the doer of these thoughts? Where is the factory where I'm working on them all? Because they seem to just suddenly appear, don't they? And I become conscious of them. And they, I mean, I don't, it doesn't say made in China or made in Paul Hedeman's head, does it? It just has no brand name. It just comes up. And then there's an ignorant recognition of it as my thought. And why is that? Because there's an ignorant recognition that there's a thinker. 
that I'm the thinker of these thoughts, yeah? And so on and so forth. One little miscalculation in time and space can become a giant grand canyon, yeah? One little, one little tiny miscalculation of the mind where conscious contact goes unappreciated and the mental interpretation becomes the dominant one, that is like the difference between heaven and earth. Yeah? Everything is, is just can go off. And it just and that's what it does, yeah? So there's the conscious contact, like Buddha said. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, you know? So when you're seeing, see. When you're hearing, hear. When you're feeling, feel. When you're tasting, taste. When you're touching, touch. Simple as that. But what's the experience we have? We have an interpretation of the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching, don't we? And that interpretation is, I'm the seer, I'm the hearer, I'm the feeler. And so the emphasis goes off the seeing, the hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. We become unconscious of the conscious movement. Yeah? We become unaware of the conscious movement. And now, now all the emphasis is on the seer and the seeing. So this one event called seeing is made into the dualistic polarity. And there you go. Once that's in place, it just rips. So you can't go from two back to one. Yeah? Two's too big to fit in. It won't go. You have to question two. Yeah? That's what's called non-duality. That's what it is. It's the questioning of two. And then when there's a sense, hey, I may possibly not be two, then there's a feeling of what you would hope by having this concept called one is. There is no one, but you'll have the feeling that you think you would attribute it to if you were in the oneness of things. No, it's really the relief from the two-ness of things. There is no oneness there. There's just two-ness, yeah, as an appearance. Once you see it as not two, then there's like a, I would say it's more like zero, yeah, than anything else. In other words, it's like more like nothing. And, and the mind just wants to make this, this nothing, it's not this nothing, but let's say make nothing into something. That's all it's trying to do, the mental process. It's trying to make it into something. And yet, this, this thing stays stubbornly nothing. <laughs> it, just, it won't be moved by all our little manipulating and making it into something. All of that is just like a mist in the air. It just, as soon as the light of the sun comes, it dissipates so quickly. Because there's no, there's no establishment in it. There's no sense of, of concreteness in it. It's just an appearance upon an appearance upon an appearance upon an appearance. Yeah? But so, so you don't want to see, if, if you're in the format of two, seemingly, to, for two to try to get back to one is crazy to me. It's because there is no one that two's, that the two's ever going to find. It will have a, it will be part of two-ness. If whatever one it thinks it found will be part of two-ness because it will be the feeling like I found it. You know, the oneness was this and I, as this, found it. That's two-ness, yeah? So this is always going back to questioning who you are or what you think, what's going on here. And if it's not so, there you go. So... If you're onto something, it will translate into an ease and comfort, either slowly or quickly, but it will, because the whole system has been recalibrated. The mind and the mind alone, that I believe we are, has shifted. It has decided, it came out of its little made-believe two-ness, and it's now, yet the two-ness can continue. You'll perceive things, and you'll think of, you'll have a language that supports that sense of two-ness, but there will be an awareness, an illuminating quality that your attention will be resting on. Not what's arising and departing in consciousness, but the awareness of it, yeah? You'll find a place where you can truly rest, where the mind can actually enjoy peace of mind, and actually know the word serenity and comprehend peace, because it will rest on on a clear reflection of its own original face in a way. No things. I find this helps on Wednesday. (laughs) You know what I mean? What is it, January 2nd? It sort of helps. It sort of helps every day. It can't help but help, because it's light. So it's not like... See, sometimes... People want a path to illumination. I would say this is the illumination of all paths. Yeah? If the mind wakes up, whatever you're in is going to be illuminated. 
whatever seed assignment you seem to have is going to be illuminated. You're not going to be looking for an artificial light to give you some idea of what's going on. You will be the bearer of that light. Yeah. It is the mind that we are that will bring light to what we think we are. Yeah. And you can't know it. It's impossible to know it. So you're put in a position of, I don't know. It's not like if you chose it, it's just what happens. And in I don't know, you find out. You find out by something moving and changing your perceptions and changing the thought system and changing how you feel and changing time and changing that because it all came from the same source of mind, yeah? So when mind changes, everything that issues forth from it has the possibility of changing, yeah? There is nothing that stands outside the context of mind, the big M, mind, yeah? So when mind changes, everything has the potential to change, and you may find out that not much needs to change at all. The mind doesn't find any problem with any of that. The only problem is, is when it takes itself to be part of it, yeah? When it's just there, aware of it, it, everything may go on just like it went on yesterday. Yeah? There won't be, it may not be an exciting moment where, like, you're on the cliff and you have your final surrender and all your ex-girlfriends are there cheering you on. It may be, no, you just put out the garbage, you know. But you're on. You're incessantly on. Incessantly on. Something that's not arising or departing. Some, something that can't be observed by the mental process. The mental process happens way down the road compared to what's always so. Yeah? There's no way that that's going to start observing what's always so. <laughs> this is not able to be observed. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it in a lot of ways. Uh, You'll see it. There's a lot of gears to selfing. It's like a, it's like an, it's like an engine with a lot of parts. Yeah, I mean a lot of parts. And they're worrying and they're doing this. They have, they have some energy. I would say hours. And yet, when it starts closing down, it's amazing. Some, sometimes they, some of them just start slowing up. So what you thought was real and solid starts seeing, seeming not to be real and solid. Other things just, just grind to a halt. Yeah? And then by it stopping, you realize how much anxiety and effort that was going on in the selfie process. Yeah? It's exhausting. It's an exhausting... It's like the projector, because it's not so, the appearance, so the projector has to stay on all the time. Yeah? It has to be projecting these appearances to believe it. If one, if there's a, like a five minute gap in the movie, the mind usually can just come right out of it. Yeah. So it's it's like uh, it's like that idea of bondage to the idea of being a self. It has to have a glue to sort of uh, make the seeming bondage appear. It's not so, but it can make it seem to be so. But it needs a lot of glue, and that glue doesn't have a real holding quality, yeah? It doesn't have much gluing. So it has to be applied a lot. So you have this thought system that keeps on narrating your day, doesn't it? It keeps on telling you how they were, how they're going to be, how they are, how you were, how you're going to be, how you are, you know, how the world is, how this is. It's constantly, constantly trying to apply a glue so that the mind will be bonded to this idea of being a self, yeah? Yet, so many days, so many moments in the day, it just can't hold, yeah? So you get a lot of free samples, a lot of free samples, like especially if you're doing something you sort of like, let's say surfing or something. It's just so fucking obvious there isn't a person doing this activity, you know? It just, it just becomes really, really clear, you know? And, uh, and one little moment of that, that recognition of the ungluing just, just weakens all the glue that's ever going to be applied. <laughs> I mean, all you need is maybe one little glimpse, and then that little concoction of epoxy, you know, when you have the two things, the duality of, but it was me and you, and we found it, and this and that. Oh, that oh, it weakens every one of it, every bit of it, from that, from then on, 
From then on, I remember once I was in the hospital and they were operating on my leg and it was, they gave me, they were just going to operate on this, yeah? So they gave me a local anesthesia, so they built a little wall so I wouldn't be looking at what they were doing, yeah? Here. So, and they, it seemed to be like I was over here and they were there doing their thing. So I was looking in those aluminum bowls that, so, you know, that really reflect a lot of light. And uh, I had one of those little moments of free samples. Something happened, and I felt this exquisite, like, like quintessence of what I would say people would call love. Like a real, just a love of this, of this, whatever, space. And it, it's, and when it dissipated, it left a couple of trails in my mental process. And one of them was, you know, everything that's ever happened seemingly to me was totally worth it just for this one moment. Yeah? And all the story that my mind had written on all of its blackboards, yeah, with its with its giant hallway of time, was erased so quickly it was obvious that it was never there to begin with. Yeah, it was just of an appearance. Just one second of this this drop in would erase forty something years of story. <laughs> Like that, you know, 40 years that your mind has been toiling with, you know, putting this idea onto that idea, this resentment, cooking it with this other resentment, this fear, multiplying it with tons of anxiety and just cooking, cooking, just a race like that, as if it never existed and because it never did exist. It's just an appearance, yeah? Just mist blowing over, you know, over an incredibly infinite screen. Yeah. That must, that must have an effect here if your mind would entertain it, yeah? Just like when I do the fourth step. I, was, I sincerely had a great experience with the fourth step when I had a better understanding of it. When I saw those guys, Joe and Charlie, it changed my whole experience about the inventory process. So I was motivated to share it, you know, in the tribe, in the, in the community. And I shared it for 19 years. That's how motivated it's been. Yeah? Because something worked. And so many things don't work here. <laughs> you know what I mean? They promise to work. Yeah? And they say, when, it, when, when they first, first don't work, they say, well, you have to reapply yourself. You've got to do more, and so on and so forth. But this simple understanding I received from that, those old guys, Joe and Charlie, changed my whole experience in recovery. The same thing with this message. When, this message, when I heard this message, it became like an unspoken yes yeah? And then it became the last answer, and I'm like driven to share about it. I don't care if no one shows up, it doesn't even matter. Because it's just the joy, like my friend said the other day, I got a little excited here, there was only three people. And she said, well, there was only three people, but that's not why it's, that's not it. It was just the expression of it is the joy of it. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not based on how many people are here, it's just an incredible urge for this to express. And it seems like it has an infinite well of what it wants to express. Yeah. I mean, how how high can you fly if you're talking about the stats of the San Francisco Giants? You know, it's interesting. Get in there. But when I entertain this, my mind gets released. Out, you know, it becomes like free range. Yeah. Or it's like that marathon runner finally let that let out of the closet. It can stretch its legs and run. You know what I mean? It's like it's such a joy because self-centeredness is so constricting. It's so constricting for the mind, you know, in a way. I'm obviously not, but the experience of it is can be so constricting, you know? I mean we've gone over every, every possibility that self-centeredness offers. We've found, we've, it only has a couple basic formulas. It changes certain parts of it, but it's the basic formula. You will be okay. Yeah. Or the base, the other aspect is you were once okay. Yeah. And so then it gives you 50 formulas to get it, try to get back to that or arrive there. And usually they fail, don't they? And so how many more formulas do you want to follow after like 50? Don't, wouldn't you want to question the system that's providing you the formulas that always fail? Wouldn't you like the question, hey, this idea in my head as my, my uh, representative sort of promises constantly about happiness, joyousness, and freedom, yeah? and yet I don't feel like it's ever delivered the goods. 
Every time I call the factory, hey, where's my happiness, joys, and some freedom? It says, oh, we've ordered some. We'll be here a couple weeks from now. It's never now, is it? Yeah? How long are you going to wait? Question what's happening now. What is actually happening, as far as you can follow it? What's happening? Yeah? Not who... But what? What is happening? There's consciousness arising. Yeah? Who's aware of that consciousness arising? When there's a consciousness of death, who's aware that there's something conscious of death? What's that? Who is that awareness? What is that awareness? Yeah? Of the consciousness of death. There's not just consciousness of death. There's an awareness of the consciousness of death, isn't it? On the perceiving aspect of it, there's an awareness of the perceiving aspect of it. There's something that's not in the perceiving, there's something that is aware of the perceiving, isn't it? The mental interpretation only goes to the perceiving aspect, and it claims itself to be that. And so in this field of consciousness, it separates the field and makes it dualistic, yeah? So now there's a subject-object, and you're the subject. But you become a... There's a point where there's a... Well, there's always a point of awareness of that, yeah? That's not consciousness. There's an awareness of it, yeah? There's an awareness, there's a context that's aware of... First, you're, you're only aware that you're the perceiver... Of the perce- you're the perceiving of the perceived, yeah? But then, if you hear a message, you can become aware of that, perce- that perceiver and see that it's not so, yeah? Can you? Yeah. What's bringing that to you? Not consciousness, but awareness. At that point, you're not sitting in a sense consciousness, you're sitting in the awareness of consciousness. Before, you were sitting in one aspect of consciousness called the perceiving aspect. You thought you were the one that was conscious, that you were doing it as almost like an attribute, that you were seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling. But all the while that was going on, there was also, there's always been an awareness of that. Yeah? Then one day, someone hands you a message, and you get it. Somehow, the mind comes out of the, the consciousness, in a sense, reflecting only consciousness, and now it's reflecting the consciousness from somewhere else. Yeah? It's seeing, yeah? It's seeing, yeah, there's a perceiver and the perceived, but they're all the fucking same thing. Yeah? That's non-duality. Seeing that. You're conscious while in duality. You're totally conscious. You're, you're aware of things. You're conscious of things all day. But you're unconscious to the awareness of that. Yeah? Then there's an awareness of that. And maybe someone says, hey, you know, the perceived and the, per- the perceiving aspect and the perceived are the same. Say, they come from the same. The same consciousness. All right. Jesus, I'll entertain that possibility. What happens? Maybe a download occurs and something, it's significant, a recalibration occurs. Now, in a way, you're not observing like a mental observing of consciousness. You're aware of the consciousness. It has a big effect here. You're going to travel lighter through your days. And you know what? You're going to find your basic format as this action is an ease and comfort. That's what it's seeking for. Yeah? It may call it enlightenment in some circles. It may call it money in some other circles. In, in uh, another circle, it may call a wife or a husband. But basically, what the mind is looking for is an ease and comfort. It wants to rest. Yeah? It doesn't find, this, find it in the two-ness. It, find it's, it finds it in the awareness of the two-ness. That it can rest on, because the two-ness, there's always different things you're perceiving, let's say, yeah? But there's always the the awareness of it. The awareness is never different, yeah? It's truly what's reliable here, because it's context.
And as for Wednesday, it allows you to travel later through the day. Whatever the day has to offer. It doesn't say it's going to change everything that's going to happen, but you'll travel lighter through it. And I found over time, seemingly in time, that's the best gift I can have, is to travel lighter through the terrain of my life. I don't want to, I don't give it names of nirvana or enlightenment. I don't believe you really want anything like that. What you want is an ease and comfort in your own skin and in the circumstances you're in. Seriously. Because I bet you if you had that, all that stuff would stop. You wouldn't be interested in it at all. Because you have an idea that it's going to bring a certain effect, maybe. But if you had the effect, you'd realize it was just an idea. Yeah? If you actually had that sense of satisfaction or whatever, contentment, you realize those, those were mental ideas I had of how I was going to get contented. Yeah? Why would I want to hold on to them when I already am contented? Yeah? So I don't know. I thought I was a pretty big spiritual seeker. When this message dropped in, I, all that came to a grinding halt. It was uncomfortable because that's the only thing I could identify as. I was a terrible house painter, pretty much. Didn't have anything else going for me. The one peg I could get a, some kind of an identification out of was spiritual seeking. You know, I could meditate for a long time. I had a good resume. I'd seen some good teachers. Went to India. You got to do that. Went to Nepal. Went there. Went to Thailand. Sat in the woods there for a couple weeks here and there. You know, so I had a pretty good going. I had that gaze. A very clear, loving gaze. Not so much loving, sort of like, I'm better than you, really. <laughs> I'm better than you. I just was on a month-long you know, retreat, so... Get, go ahead and buy your groceries. Way above that, you know. <laughs> I had all that going on. Then I heard this message, and my whole, the whole rug got pulled out from underneath me. <laughs> it was like my pants fell down, and I couldn't pull them up. There was just there wasn't an urge to pull them up. I said, well, let's just find out what happens. And uh, and it, it ha- what happened is I did find out, and it seemed to verify uh, the disarming that occurred. And uh, you know, I've been just traveling so much better than I ever traveled before. And I don't have and uh, I don't produce many frequent flyer miles because I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to fly to the Himalayas. I don't have to eat, drink some soup at 10 in the morning and then starve myself for 20 fun days. The last retreat I did in Thailand, I lost 20 pounds. 21 days, I lost a pound a day. I was like starving. I looked, and sometimes in India, they have a picture of Buddha when he was in his aesthetic realm and he's, he's totally shriveled up. I was, going to, I was going after that. That was my ideal. I was going to be a, a starving aesthetic. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. <laughs> Had tons of spiritual experiences. Spiritual experiences do not lead to a spiritual awakening. I don't believe they can, but I don't think so most of the time. You can acquire a lot of them, but spiritual awakening is a different state. Yeah, it's not an experience. It's not coming and going. It's a recalibration of the mind that can stabilize, so that 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 now starts infusing your experiences. It's not an experience you're having anymore, but it's infusing all the experiences you're having. Yes? Yeah, it's a much bigger ballgame instead of just on the experiential level. You move into another level of state, of mind, and then the mind can really rest, yeah, really find peace. So anyone who has been here for a while have come here. It's working, yes? Yeah, it's the whole point. We're asking you, what are we asking you to do? Buy a shirt every once in a while. I don't even have shirts anymore. <laughs> I'm doing one meeting a week. If you want two meetings a week. You know, we don't have anything to do with, you know, homework assignments. You know, have you meditated 12 hours this week? now? Just entertain it. Whatever you're doing. If you like meditation, do it. Do that. But just sense the oddness that's there. Yeah? Yeah, see you guys. They told me they were leaving, so I wouldn't take it personally. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But I did take it personally. (laughs) 
yeah, like today I'm just feeling a really... It's so normal, it's hard to even speak about it today, really. I love those days, yeah? When it's so normal, I don't even feel like talking about it too much. Because that's where, when it's really valuable, eh? Yeah, thanks. Really, really valuable. When it seems to go unnoticed, unseen... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It goes unnoticed and unseen, that's when it's really beautiful. Yeah? Because <coughs> you're just seeing it painting the canvas all day. You're just seeing it just do its thing. Yeah. No observing, no noting, it's just going on. Yeah. I was reading, that's why I brought up this perceiving aspect and the perceived. I haven't read any spiritual stuff in a long time. I did last yesterday, today. This is an old book I had. And they, they really break it down. But I'm not that excited about it. Because it gets into so much... There's like eight levels of consciousness or something. Twelve levels. You know, it's just incredible. They talk about a level of consciousness. And then... There's this one, well, we say it in different ways, but they say, yeah, there's this, there's just consciousness happening, and then there's this, this, uh, this, uh, conditional aspect of mind that goes in that gives it the separation of being two things, yeah? It's, it's, the conscious contact is clear and clean, but it's so fast, the interpretation, that we don't, we miss the conscious contact. We don't rest there. We rest on the secondary interpretation by the mind on their subject object. That you're the one that's doing it and that's, and that's what you're doing. Yeah? And from there, that just rips, rips. So once the, once that tuness seems to get established, it's very difficult to go from tuness anywhere. Because anytime you leave tuness, you're going to be leaving it as tuness. So like it says, self can't get out of self. Or like you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use the mind to seek the mind. Yes? When the mind has been, in a sense, separated, when it has become two, then that mind, in that rooted in two-ness, is never going to find what's, what is. Yeah? It's never going to be able to find it. You could spend eons, like an old master called Huang Po says, if you're using the Buddha to find the Buddha, you'll spend eons and absolutely nothing will happen. Yeah? Nothing, nothing will change. Because it's not two. That's the teaching. It's not non-duality. It's not two. It's the question, the two-ness. The question, because it's produced, yeah? It's, it's, it, it's caused and, and has conditions. It is not an uncaused state. It is a contrived thing going on, to question it, and when the light of undifferentiated light drops in, you will see it as not you. Yeah? And then that's that. That's all you need. As soon as there's a recognition, I'm not, a recognition, I'm not that, I mean truly I'm not that, there isn't a desire to find out what you are. It, it dissipates completely, because you are the seeing of what you're not. You're the seeing of not tuness. You're the seeing of it. I mean, living in the seeing of it. You, and how you see the not tuness is by seeing the tuness. You see the tuness, and it becomes obvious. I'm, that's not two. Yeah. And in that not two, bamo, something occurs. It didn't even occur. It was always there, but the mind just recalibrates. And I'm telling you, the mind is what's giving everything the meaning it has here. Yeah. If the mind is in a very conditional condition, it's like it called self-centeredness, it's giving everything all the meaning it has. Everything that you're reacting to is a projection of this mind and self-centeredness. You're not, it's not a, something that's real and solid out there that you're perceiving. It's a projection of the conditional mind. The mind is actually dreaming. Yeah? It's dreaming. And then you perceive the dream from, a, from this position of being a dreamt object, you perceive the dream as, as if it's solid and real, and it, it has its own essence, and it's, it's reality, it's true. Yeah? That is a perception in the dream. The dream is a projection. Yeah? And one of the projections 
if this mind is giving everything all the meaning it has, this has been given a very big meaning by the conditional mind. It's been given the meaning of being you. And I'm telling you, in self-centeredness, you is a bigger meaning than God. This is the biggest meaning the mind can give anything. So Ramana Maharshi, this old master, used to explain it like, all right, you're in this theater, and you see the movie, you see the dream on the screen, and you realize it's not real. Yeah, But you're sitting in the theater thinking you are real, that you're real, seeing that this whole place is not real. He says it's much different than that. The circle of the unreality captures you in the auditorium, sitting and having this sense that this place isn't real. That's also the dreaming, yeah? So if there's a dreamt tiger, what are you going to try to do as a dreamt object? Are you going to try to read books, how to live with a tiger, say, oh, there's... It's, I can probably train it to be a nice tiger. You're always going to be affected by that tiger, aren't you? The solution is, if you're not the dreamt object, if you woke up from the dreamt objectness, would you be afraid of that tiger? That's exactly what it is. When the mind entertains that it's not the perceiving aspect, yeah, it's not this pseudo-subject located in a physical location. When it entertains it's not that, then you'll find out something. Yeah. You'll find out something. If someone says what you'll find out, that's missing the whole fun of it, you know? When it downloads, it's nothing like a download is so much different than knowing something. Yeah? You can read, like, in the most incredible, highfalutin spiritual concept and think you know it in one second. You know, I, I know that. I read it, you know, page five. But finding out about that same statement through living here is totally different, a whole different uh, form of knowledge than knowing, mentally knowing, yeah? So when the mind's drive to know is suspended and you're in the point of, I don't know, and you find out, that knowledge is much more convincing yeah? It becomes, it's got some substance. You can anchor, you can anchor in it, yeah? You can, you can build something on it. You can actually root in it. It's got something, yeah? But knowing, it's just, a, it's just, knowing and unknowing, it just goes on and on and on, right? How many people know that they're fucked with alcoholism, yet they get loaded tonight? Yeah? The knowing isn't helping them one bit. But if they actually, entertained something and found out about alcoholism, I'll tell you, I mean, I haven't had a thought about alcohol or drugs in so many years because I actually found out about it. I found out what it was. Yeah. I thought I knew I was an alcoholic, but I had no idea what it is to be an alcoholic until I really found out. And they were, they were downloads. Yeah. And how I found out was what I was getting relief from it. I knew it from the solution point of view. I started getting relief from the alcoholism, and then I got a really fucking good picture of what alcoholism is. Yeah? While I was in it, I had no idea. But when I was removed out of it, and I could see it, I got a really good idea. Yeah? And my mind became convinced that that little segment of uh, a possibility in this place is over. It's like the problem doesn't exist for me anymore. <laughs> it's sort of like there was a door that I had to keep going in and out of, and now it's been stuccoed over, and it's like it was never there to begin with. Now that's a damn good solution. Yeah? If the problem seems not to have ever existed, that's a damn good solution. <laughs> now what was that brought about? By AA? Brought about by mind. Through the vehicle of AA. The mind, yeah? can get to the point where it's convinced, yeah? where it believes with certainty, and then whatever was being entertained is now having absolutely no juice going to it, and it shrivels fucking up. Because if you follow back everything back, if you want to call you, follow it always back, it always goes to the same source. All there is is mind. Yeah? Or like Ramana said it with a big ass, all there is is self. So you follow the little self back, it's always going to bring you back to the self. No, everything proceeds from there, yeah? 
So AA, in a sense, didn't save me. AA was how the mind saved itself here. It used AA as the vehicle, yeah? It's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. All's well? Yeah, good. I gotta calm down tonight, though. I can't get excited. Any questions tonight? When you con- when you see them conscious, when there's this conscious contact going on, isn't there a sense of self-reflection? Isn't there a feeling that you're you're conscious of that? Yeah. Yeah. Now the mental process says it's you, tells a story about you. But if you would just see that maybe I'm not that you, then you would really sense the pure awareness of that event. That you're a conscious, you're aware of being conscious here. Yeah? The activity of this place is consciousness. Yeah? That's what is manifesting. Consciousness is, is the field of manifestation. And yet you're aware of that. Yeah? There's an awareness of that, which isn't manifesting. It's not arising and departing. Yeah? It doesn't need a quality of a perceived and a perceiving. It's just an awareness. Yeah? We're in it every day, but we're calling it us. We have a sense of seeing, hearing, feeling, yeah? That there's a a sense of the seeing and the hearing and the feeling and the tasting, but the mental process says it's us. It says it's Paul. And it has this immense thought system to reinforce that, that belief. So that sense of being on, we don't even have the sense of that. We're not even at that pulse. We're on a mental interpretation of what that means. Yeah? The mind has slipped in very quickly and it's given us like a, a cereal box with no cereal in it. Just the box. So we get to read about it, read the, the ingredients, nice picture, but there's nothing there's no fucking nutrition in it. None. Yeah. So you feel fucking empty. You're seeking constantly. Then suddenly something happens. This mind gets recalibrated, and suddenly you're not seeking constantly. Yeah? Something's happened. Now instead of trying to find peace, you obviously realize you're the source of peace. Yeah? That it's, you're all, what, you're, what you've been looking for is always available at all times, right where you are. <laughs> With no requirement necessary to meet it. <laughs> well, hallelujah. Yeah? <laughs> I don't need a middle man or a middle woman. I don't need to... It doesn't take any time to get there. Yeah, And I can't be anywhere other than there. All the... Look at the assumption of mind. Yeah? So the assumption of mind is... And I didn't have it when I was a kid. When I was playing when I was a kid, I didn't think I could be playing somewhere else. You know, it was just... I was right where I was because my mind hadn't entertained that it could be somewhere else. But as soon as it started entertaining, I could be somewhere else. What happened? A lot of opinions and judgments about what was going on occurred, arose. Yeah, they weren't arising when I couldn't be anywhere other than where I was. But when the possibility, which is an insane possibility, hey, I could be somewhere else, arose, then what came with it? That became the cause of tons of opinions about now, isn't it? You don't see the causes and conditions. The cause and effect, it always goes back. One assumption is taken to be so, it spawns tons of other things. Yeah? Just like the idea of people, most people I meet, what they're having difficulty with isn't now, but it's there's thoughts that are happening now. Yeah? This is trippy. So here's a, there's a feeling that's happening now. Yeah? That I'm seeing something happening now, I'm tasting something, I'm smelling something, and then there's thoughts of, that are happening now. And it's the only, the only thing, see, the feeling, just to feel this, doesn't refer me back to a past feeling. Yeah? The thoughts are the only thing that refer me somewhere else. You know what I mean? So most of my attention isn't in the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. It's in the seeing of the thoughts. And the thoughts tell me that there is something that's not happening. Yeah? The thoughts about it are happening, but they're telling me about something that's not happening, and then the not happening has a bigger influence than everything else that's happening here. Yeah? So I'm fucking like, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm anxious about something that's actually not happening. Yeah? 
You can't see the miracle of the mind that it can produce an effect here, entertaining about entertaining something that's actually not happening. How could something that's not happening have an effect? How could something that's not happening have an effect? The thoughts about what's not happening allow the mind to make something up. It makes up a feeling, a contraction, an anxiety about something that's not happening. Yeah? It's like an incredible miracle worker. Like they, you know, they said that guy Lazarus was resurrected or brought back to life by Jesus. And we think that was a great miracle. But we're making something out of nothing all day. We don't see that as a miracle. People are sitting in this, sometimes you come to a meeting, and they're, for all intents and purposes, not here. And yet this is the only here there is. But they're not here. They're in what's not happening. Yeah? And they're having an experience about what's not happening now. They're contracted, and it's a beautiful day. Maybe they're at a lovely waterfall, but their mind is in, at work, you know. Like, remember when you would get, these people I know, they, they keep, when they're working, they're thinking about going to Hawaii. When they get to Hawaii, they're thinking about work. <laughs> they can't enjoy either. <laughs> so, the idea of Hawaii really screws up their day at work, yeah? And then, the idea of work really screws up their day, day in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I come here, I never measure this Wednesday. This wasn't a good Wednesday. <laughs> I've done thousands of these talks. <laughs> oh, measuring them up, let's say, this was a bad one. <laughs> it seems so absurd to my head now. How could... Why would I want to bring in past Wednesdays and future Wednesdays to rain on this Wednesday? <laughs> this is more than enough, eh? Yes, this is more than enough. I'm getting a high sign. We've got to go eat. Yeah. kids tonight. Hey, any questions? Good to see you again. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. Yes? Absolutely. How good. <laughs> yeah, I was just zoning. How good. Zoning is good, then. All right, well, we'll end, then. No questions, right? Pass. Huh? Pass. Yeah, we'll pass the pass. All right, well, we'll end.